0: One of the best weeks of the year is here. Terrific sporting week, and I guess it'll extend an extra day for Colts fans. That will be Monday Night Football, the Colts and Steelers. I believe it's just the, I think it's the second, maybe third time they've been on Monday Night Football since 2017. And it's the first time they've been at home on Monday Night Football since 2015. Uh, So a lot to get to on today's Thanksgiving Eve podcast. I'm Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is with us. And uh, for those that are listening today and maybe missed on Monday, thank you to everybody out there for their support and continuing to listen to Kevin's Corner. I know full well that you know when you kind of go through a season like this and at times it might, might not be maybe the same urge or passion to listen to the podcast, so I appreciate you guys tuning in and safe travels as you spend time with family and friends this holiday season. I mean, Eddie, when you look at tomorrow's Thanksgiving slate, Five of the six teams currently in the playoffs, Uh, Lions and Bill. Lions won three straight. They're the only one that's not. Uh, It's the biggest over-under of the week, Buffalo and Detroit, and it's a big one. I think it's 54.5 last I saw. Uh, We won't get that on Monday night between Colts and Steelers. Yep. Two very low-scoring offenses, and um, we'll get to that a little bit later on the pod. Do some Twitter questions and uh, some storylines to go over. As well, Eddie. How you doing, man?
1: Doing well. How about you? How are the kids?
0: Good, good, good. Family's good. Um, Getting ready for Thanksgiving. We are. Yeah. So, do you or uh, Maddie make any food? Uh, we do not make the main dishes by any means. Um, no, we are uh, the generation above us does a tremendous job and corralling the bird and handling that. So, um, we'll uh, we'll be out and about though tomorrow and uh, looking forward to what is supposed to be a really nice day here in Indy. Um, And just in general, again, you've got the Pacers with a couple home games Wednesday, Friday. Mm -hmm. You've got Indiana High School State Championships for football Friday and Saturday. You've got good college basketball on. Again, the three Thanksgiving games. Uh, The U.S. against England on the pitch Friday afternoon at 2. Obviously, my Irish Saturday night traveling out to take on USC. And then it's really odd just to see the Colts not play a Sunday home Thanksgiving game. I feel like the week of Thanksgiving, the Colts are always at home, Sunday at 1 o'clock. That's not the case this year, as they will have Monday-nighters following not only Thanksgiving, but they will again with the Chargers after Christmas. Um, so uh, that's the adjustment the Colts have made in their schedule. You know, we are recording this Wednesday afternoon. Just got back from Colts practice. Um, they will not practice Thursday, just a walk-through. They'll practice Friday and Saturday, so that's their three practices this week. Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, another walk-through Sunday. And then, obviously, Monday night. Uh, The injury report, you will not see it for Wednesday. With a Monday night game, no injury report until Thursday. The guys that I did not spot out on the practice field today, uh, six starters. That would be DeForest Buckner, Ryan Kelly, Pay, Paris Campbell, Stephon Gilmore, Rodney McLeod. I feel like Buckner and Gilmore and maybe even McLeod have been kind of early week rest guys. McLeod probably a little bit more lately. Um, Kelly has missed a Wednesday or two this season. Uh, Pay and Campbell. you know, Pay has obviously had this lingering ankle injury. And Paris Campbell, again, he hasn't been on the injury report much, so uh, we'll monitor that. Let's start there, Eddie. Um, I want to get into some kind of weekly storylines because we don't maybe have a dominant one. Mm-hmm. At this point of the week yet, but the Colts made a roster move yesterday where they signed a player off another team's practice squad, which means that player is on your active roster for three weeks. Eddie, I'm gonna to turn on this light. You got younger eyes than I do. Perfectly fine with me. I'm worried about my eyesight. I can barely see anybody, anyways, to begin with. So, um, so they signed Khalid Kareem off of the Bengals practice squad, mm-hmm. and I would say. It was notable to me, because something we touched on on Monday's podcast, we have not seen very many, if any, outside-the-building moves, roster moves by the Colts in season. And we really haven't seen, I I think he's the first one, the first practice squad signing. And again, when you sign a guy off with another team's practice squad, he's on your active roster for three weeks. Um, Is this an indicator that Pay's injury might be longer than we think? Is this kind of going back to the Tyquan Lewis You know, season-ending injury from a couple weeks ago. And if you look at the snap counts from Sunday, Eddie, Yanni Kangakwe, big uptick. Dio Dengbo, really big uptick. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think you're looking for some help at defensive end. Uh, Not to rain on Colts fans parade, but do not expect Khalid Kareem to come in here and be a pass rusher. Uh, He's got one sack in his NFL career. Uh, That's two seasons. And at Notre Dame, I think it was like a dozen sacks in three years. So he's not this, you know, two hundred and thirty five, two hundred and forty pound bendable athlete off the edge that, you know, is kind of bounced around and a team's trying to tap into yeah. some really athletic traits. I would slot Khalid Kareem a little bit more. Honestly a little bit like Isaac Rochelle, former Notre Dame defensive end from last year, or, you know, kinda of in that Alcadeen Muhammad. You know, a little bit of a bigger defensive end um, role there. I didn't realize this. Do you know how many sacks Justin Houston has on the year? Is it eight? Nine sacks for Justin Houston. He had and... a
1: three-sack game early in the season, I feel like.
0: Yeah, I want to say like one of the first two games of the season. um, And he's only played in seven games. I mean, that's... That's big time.
1: Oh, to go back to your question or your statement about the last time the Colts didn't have a Sunday home game after Thanksgiving,
0: would you like to take a gander of what year it was? The last time the Colts didn't have a Sunday Thanksgiving game? That was home. That was home. Home. Oh, gosh, I I got no idea. Well, they did play on Thanksgiving, didn't they? Colt Steelers? That was a home game. Scott Tolzien?
1: I was there, unfortunately. Okay. The highlight of that game was the Pat McAfee fake punt
0: (laughs) pass to Dwayne Allen. Great call. Great call on that. Uh, when, When was the last time? 2009. Jeez. That's wild. I mean, that's almost like they have to request having a home Thanksgiving Sunday game. They even
1: had a road game before that, too. Not too often I could find where they had, like, a road game, then a home game. Yeah. Most of the time it was back-to-back.
0: Interesting. Um, so, again, Khalid Kareem in the building, a little bit of background there on him. Um, again, not a lot of outside the building moves for the Colts this year, so that's why I felt like it was notable. Um, I, like you said, not very many storylines to talk about, which is a
1: very rare thing that we've had on a Wednesday pod, that's back-to-back podcast now. We're, we've been able to record on a Wednesday, and let alone the, I think it's the first time we've had a pod on Wednesday where there wasn't a major dominant storyline. You
0: know, Last week we focused a little bit more on the Eagles as an opponent. Um, we'll get to the Steelers probably after Twitter questions and kind of look at that, because last I saw, Colts still favored by about two and a half. Um, the other thing on the storyline front I wanted to mention before Twitter questions, Eddie, no changes to the offensive line. Uh, Bernard Raymond and Will Fries are going to maintain their positions. Obviously, that's a bit of a one-eye towards the future with those guys. You know, I find it interesting that, and it was a really detailed answer from Jeff Saturday today, kind of explaining why they're sticking with Raymond and Fries and what they want to see. I mean, they want to see strides. I think they know full well that right now, you know, maybe Dennis Kelly would be a better option than Bernard Ryman. So, I think it's interesting how that, you could argue that move is not necessarily the best win-now move. Not to act like Dennis Kelly is, you know, freaking Walter Jones over at left tackle. Yeah. But, you know, you could certainly say that he's, he's an upgrade in the here and now. So, it is interesting kind of looking at the football team and who they're playing and who they're not playing. Do you call that, I mean, calling it a tank move is probably unfair. But, um, they are going with Ryman and Fry's still at those spots. I did find it interesting that Matt Ryan was asked today about the vertical passing game. Mm-hmm. And Matt Ryan, it was probably the first time all year I've walked away from a scrum and said, wow, Um. he kind of called out another group on the team. Um. I'll just read the quote, I guess, because that's probably the safest thing to do so people don't kind of run with it. Um, And, you know, the the tone wasn't necessarily like a rip of, you know, the offensive line and um, how they've played so far. But when I think of the vertical passing game, I think you can point to issues on the offensive line contributing to that, not giving them enough time. By the way, I saw Jalen Hurts. That was the most time he had to throw in a game this season. Wow. On Sunday, his um his time to throw. Um, obviously the quarterback is not, you know, rocking some cannon back there either. So I yeah. think you can point to a little bit of that. And then I still think the dynamic receivers creating separation down the field isn't, you know, at the level that maybe some other teams have it. Um But the Ryan quote was this, and again, it was basically about the limited shots down the field. I think the Colts have one catch over 40 yards this year, which is 30th in the NFL. Um, Ryan said this part of it is you just have to have enough time to be able to do some of the things you want to do to push the ball down the field. And we just haven't been consistent enough throughout the year. I think that we made some strides, we did some good things last week, we made too many mistakes. But we have to find ways. We have to find ways to stretch the field vertically, get some chances, create explosive plays. It becomes too difficult when every drive you are not getting those chunk plays. I think Parks, meaning Parks Frazier, has done a good job the last two weeks. We have to continue to look during the week to try and do that. Hopefully we can get better at that. You know, again, when you sit in on press conferences and there's was a little bit of body language that you're reading. There's a little bit of you're kind of basing answers off what that person has said mm-hmm. throughout the season. And again, that's the first time I ever really felt like Matt Ryan was, you know, calling out a position group. And obviously I don't think he was directly. I think it's a very honest answer. Um, and I don't think he's that wrong, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, again, I, I think his arm strength – holds the Colts back a little bit, and the wide receiver play can hold this team back. But I do think the root of it is they don't feel confident dialing up a lot of shots because they don't think their O-line can hold up for that long, mm-hmm. which you don't disagree with. Um, I do think there are times where you just need to max protect it 7-8 and sit back there and take a chance because the defense, and I think you saw it with the Eagles, they're going to make sure that they take away the run game. And, you know, I look at this week with Pittsburgh and next week with Dallas. Eddie, I think you can make the argument. Might be the two best fronts you see all year. Yeah. These next two games. Yeah. And it's a time when your offensive line is struggling. And I'm worried about Matt Ryan holding up I think you behind that unit.
1: Throw in um, Minnesota in there, too. Yeah. I mean, with uh, Zedaria Smith and Daniil Hunter. I mean... Daniil Hunter, I think is I think he's one of the more underrated pass rushers in the league, but uh, Zadarius Smith, he's top five in sacks in the league.
0: Yeah, and you got a bye week after Dallas before Minnesota, but yeah, to your point, that would be three straight games. Again, the Chargers have got some guys up front, but these next two weeks across the board, interior and edge guys, boy, if you don't win the early downs and stay out of obvious passing situations, uh, it will get ugly. Um, so... Eh, I don't want to make, I guess, too much more of the Matt Ryan quote, but again, I did find it interesting, and you know, as I always typically do, I try to gauge a little bit of what my colleagues thought of that answer before I uh, decided to bring it up on the on the pod, because um, it was very kind of un-Ryan-like. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a candid answer. I thought it was an honest answer, um, and he's right. You know, There's a reason why he's been hit so many times this season. And by no means am I blaming this all on the offensive line, um, but I do think that that group lately has had a few more individual just one-on-one breakdowns and less kind of the communication issues I felt like were there earlier in the season.
1: Uh, Matt Ryan and um, Sam Ellinger have two passes or two completions that have resulted in 40-plus yards. There's only two starting quarterbacks in the NFL that haven't completed one pass of 40 yards or longer. Pickett? Pickett is one. The other Geno one may surprise Smith. you. No.
0: Andy Dalton.
1: Uh, no. Who? Kyler Murray.
0: Really? Yeah. Well, my fantasy team could use Hollywood Brown back in the lineup and they could use a few more of those. Um yeah, boy, well, that is definitely definitely on the surprising front.
1: Uh, Are you ready for Twitter questions, or is there anything else you'd like to add for the storylines? Just
0: one last thing, Eddie. I posted something on the defense on Tuesday, and it's a unit that if you'd have told me at the start of the year, no Shaquille Leonard, no dominant edge rusher, the turnover numbers dip like they have, I'd be pretty surprised to think the defense, given that, would be at the level I think it's played at. I mean, you held Kansas City and Philadelphia to season lows in, in, in points. Um, you know, you've played winning football and I think something that, again, you worried about with the Matt Eberflus era was, could you step it up against these better offenses? And I think they've done that this season. So a credit to Gus Bradley in year one for, for, for doing that. And it's a unit that, you know, has done enough. Um, is it some top five defense? No, but I think it's played like a, like pretty close to a top 10 unit and, um, the final six games, you do see a couple more offenses that would fall in the above-average category to what they face this season. Oh, yeah. Um, but still, I uh, I think that, that group deserves some credit for what they've done.
1: Uh, fifth fewest yards per game given up in the NFL, and I think they're like 10th. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 11th t- in points per game. Twitter question number one comes from Ted from New Zealand. Ooh, I love it. Going across the water a little bit. Uh, While we put blame on Chris Ballard for not creating competition at left tackle in the offseason, does inserting the best left tackle in the league, whomever that is this year, really improve this offensive line that much?
0: Ted, thank you for sending that in from New Zealand. Does everyone celebrate Thanksgiving, or is that a dumb question? That's actually a good question. I don't know. You know, some sort of pilgrim aspect to it. I know it has a little bit of different meaning here in the United States, but I would think in general the whole world would love to celebrate um a day of thanks. Uh Ted it's um I do think left tackle securing that, solidifying that. I mean hell in his case, doesn't he say throw out the best left tackle in the league? Yeah. I think it would really help you because think about this. Matt Pryor changed his body big time this offseason. He tried to go from a guard body to kind of a tackle body. I thought at times last year when he played guard for you, and at times in Philadelphia, he was adequate. So let's say that if you go out and get the best left tackle, and then that means that Matt Pryor is not you know, going through this body change or transformation to try and play tackle. What if he still is thinking, oh, I'm going to be a, a right guard. I'm going to be competing there. Do you get better right guard play mm-hmm. than you've gotten? Um, and how does that help you out, you know, I think listeners of the pod will know that you have to patchwork somewhere on the offensive line. Like, I'm I'm a huge believer in that. It's just so odd and conf- confusing to me that Chris Bowers has chosen left tackle as a spot to patchwork. And again, the anecdote of Matt R- Matt Pryor literally laughing when the Colts told him that they thought he could be the permanent left tackle, that should have told you everything that you needed to know right then and there. Um, it's like on the defensive line, Eddie. It'd be like patchworking edge rusher. Yeah, you know, you just, you just, you can't do that. Um, maybe one of your defensive tackles isn't a household name. Maybe you don't pay, you know, kind of super money there. But edge rusher, I think, has got to come from a pretty bona fide resource. Hmm. Um, so th- that is something that I do think could improve the line. Um, it would also create a little bit more depth within the unit. I guess one thing Ballard related. I'm kind of curious about over these final six games, and this goes for any head coach that gets fired midseason. I'd say the same thing about Carolina right now. When you fire the head coach midseason, and you're evaluating your franchise the rest of the year, doesn't that expose the GM to a degree? Yeah, I could. Yeah, I mean, at this point, aren't we evaluating the roster? Mm -hmm. A little bit more than what you're evaluating Jeff Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that is, you know, Jim Mersey himself said, the right personnel is there on the offensive line. So, you know, when you fire the OC, you fire the head coach, um, it almost seems like now it's a little bit more of a roster type of evaluation with this operation. I don't know if that is internally how Jim Jim, Jim Mercer looks at it, but that's kind of how I am looking at it. And who knows, maybe we're not even evaluating Ballard anymore. (laughs) Maybe the decision's been made, good or bad. I I get the feeling, internally, there's a lot of people that think Chris Ballard will still be here. So, I I don't think it's just some foregone conclusion that he's gone at the end of the year. The Jeff Saturday dynamic, I think, creates some awkwardness. Yeah. um, And we'll have to see how that plays out, but to me, I look back on Sunday and think the offensive line issues are so much more personnel-based than than anything. Oh, something
1: I forgot to throw in the storylines that I was that I saw earlier. Uh, there was a report that came out that Sean Payton would come out of retirement per se to coach, uh, and the two jobs
0: that he's eyeing the Chargers and the Cardinals. Interesting. Charger. Chargers make a lot of sense. Sean Payton, and Justin Herbert. Um, wow, Cardinals with Kyler. You know, I think wherever Sean Payton goes, he's going to want all the control. Yeah. All of it. And he's going to want a quarterback. All the control on a quarterback here in Indianapolis. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, And obviously you have a trade aspect to it that the Saints have him under contract for a couple more years. So during the bye week, uh, I'm starting to work on it now. We're going to get into just some coaching candidates, what the Colts should be looking for. Uh, coaching trait-wise, again, Jeff Saturday still is very, very much in the picture, but I think that's a good time with four games left Yep, to kind of look into some of that stuff, and obviously we can reevaluate it uh, when the Colts do that full uh, interview process after the, after the end of the season.
1: Uh, Lord says that he's been noticing, and it was extremely apparent in the Eagles game, that opposing teams are run blitzing on first down almost 90% of the time. I don't think they didn't run blitz on first down the entire second half. They showed the personnel in the box assisting in the offense game plan many times. So at one point does anyone working on strategy or the game plan recognize the first down run blitzes that are designed to clog up the middle and potentially get a tackle for loss around the edge. Why are we so hardwired on running up the middle on first down?
0: Yeah, Lord, I mean, it's it's a great point, point. Um, and it's kind of to your point, Eddie. Do, weren't you making this on Monday? I think you were speaking to kind of the first down. I think
1: it was like two or three first down pass attempts um, all game. The rest were runs. On first down. Yeah, if you remove just the final drive at the end of the first half and at the end of the second half. Because that number doubles easily.
0: You know, one of those plays was a pass play on the first play of the second drive. The Colts, I think, had three straight passes on that three and out, and that was kind of a swing pass to Taylor, trying to get him on the edge, trying to get him on the perimeter, and it was a four-yard loss. Yeah, I don't don't understand the Colts' um, intent to continue to try and get things done in the interior when it was very close. Very clear early on that Linval Joseph and company were controlling that. You know, obviously your first drive, no, but you know, throughout that second quarter, um, it became pretty tough sledding for it. And I mean, there's analytics guys out there that you would hope and think that they're looking into this and seeing a reflection on that. Um, I would say bigger picture than anything. It's just such a shame that your interior of the offensive line has gotten here. Yep. When you think about the group that started the year together. You had a first-round pick, six overall, an 18th overall pick, and Ryan Kelly at center, and then a fifth rounder in Danny Pinter. When you add that up, Eddie, that has got to be the most draft capital that any team in the league has invested into left guard, center, right guard, at that point. And at times this year, you know, you've moved Braden Smith into right guard to try and you know bolster that that run game. You know, that's kind of the strength of Braden Smith, and that's an area that Frank Reich and the staff. Wanted to do a few weeks back, probably about a month, month and a half ago at this point. So, yeah, perimeter run game, um, getting some stuff a little bit more to the outside. And just I think getting Taylor downhill, trying to get him a little, you know, I feel like on the first drive he had some room to kind of set up that stutter and then go. I don't feel like he's had enough of that this season.
1: Yeah, I was on uh, one of our listeners Zach's podcast, Colts Nation 365. Yes, uh, yesterday. Zach
0: Boyd, great dude.
1: Yeah, it came out late last night. Um, and something I talked about in that is like when we talk about the issues of running the football up the middle, it all starts with the guy who's hiking the football. Like, right. Right. he's the guy who's in charge of all the pass protection at the offensive line. He's in charge of, you know, shifting things if if it's not if it's not Matt Ryan and then you look at the run game i mean brian baldinger
0: put out the video he was getting worked yeah yeah bad mm-hmm. yeah you you don't want to watch that um yeah that was that was ugly and again unfortunately i think it's a guy that just has regressed a bit at at center and i think it dates back now a couple years
1: um this is a question for me while we're on the topic of the run game Wh- what why don't we see you know, when he tosses I know. to the outside yeah. and then pulling Nelson like they did a lot in his first right. two years.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a good question. Um, and I think part of the issue with the perimeter stuff, and again, maybe this is part of the reason why they haven't tapped into it more, is I just think you struggle from a perimeter blocking standpoint with your tight ends a little bit with your wide receiver group. Um, So I think that plays into some of it. But, yeah, you know, to your point, Eddie, I don't think they've tried that enough. And just in general, the perimeter stuff. I mean, have we seen Campbell get a jet sweep since he had the big play against, was it Washington he had the big play against?
1: Yeah, that was him. That was in, yeah.
0: Yeah, I I don't think he's gotten a touch to the outside. Now that Doolin's back, Doolin's a guy that I feel like you can kind of give some of that to. Because, you know, when Naeem Hines was traded, I asked Frank Reich on that Friday, like, you know, do, do, do the Naheem Hines packages, do those things now kind of go out the window? He's like, no, we feel like we got some guys on the roster that can help us out there. And I'm like, okay, who internally? I'm thinking to myself, who? Who? And he obviously was like, you know, for competitive advantage reasons, I'm not going to reveal that. <laughs> you know, outside of Campbell, I, I just don't see, like, Zach Moss is not that. No. And, you know, I know some people were asking on Monday's podcast. Why Deion Jackson over Taylor on that final drive? Jeff Saturday said he sat down with Scotty Montgomery, the running back's coach, during the week, and they decided Jackson would be the two-minute back. Um, My thinking is, okay, I know Jackson has been able to make some plays out of the backfield, but that hasn't happened too frequently. And Zach Moss is known for his blocking. So, could he have helped you out on that final drive? I think it was the third down that maybe Jackson kind of got blown up a bit. Um, And I, I at that point of the game, I get that Taylor struggled in pass protection, but I would still want Taylor out there. Because at that point, you need dynamic. You need a guy that you know, Jackson's going to be six yards and out of bounds. Mm-hmm. You need a guy that can maybe make one cut and turn it into 16 or turn it into 26, something along those lines.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Delarian or Delarian, I don't know which way this is pronounced, so I'm sorry. He says, hey, Kevin, huge fan from Israel.
0: Look at that. Delaren, I hope I'm saying that right. Apologies from Eddie and I if that is the case. Boy, Eddie, I'll tell you what. We've had a a good amount of countries represented in the Twitter question history. I'm not sure if Israel is on the list until today.
1: That's great. Got New Zealand already, now Israel. We've had Germany in the past. Uh, with the assumption the Colts will go for a quarterback in the draft, if the quarterback Chris Ballard aim for is to be taken by another team, would you think he'll draft one of the other high candidates to please Jim Ursay or will he go, nah, maybe next year? Boy. Hope this will get onto the pod, a Twitterless fan.
0: Oh, I forgot where he sent that. Maybe I saw it on YouTube. Like, I try to prove the YouTube comments. Instagram, I know some people send... Uh, instagram messages to me i know was it mamba sent one to you earlier yep he um, sent one to me via twitter yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll sneak that in at some point but this is, this is a really good question um you know eddie i'm curious if we see a mandate from jim mercy yeah you know we will draft a quarterback and we will do it early um, my thought with quarterback in the draft has always been this when you find the guy When you're sitting there and you have that epiphany, whether Mm -hmm. it's watching film, whether it's doing the background, whether it's, you know, going out and watching, exactly in-person stuff. Whenever that happens, you find the guy. You do whatever you have to do to go get him. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It go and watch Kansas City and Buffalo's games. Does it ever get brought up what Kansas City and Buffalo traded up for either of those QBs? Hell no. Yeah, it it could be six first-round picks for Patrick Mahomes, and it's still worth it. You know, it, yeah. it's just... So, to that point, obviously, you are in a position... Like, let's just play out the hypothetical. Houston has the first pick, Carolina has the second. If you're obsessed with Bryce Young and or C.J. Stroud, and they go 1-2, and you can't get above them, obviously, that's out of your control... Um. So it, it is a really, really good question. I, I Again, I am a firm believer in all caps. You do what you need to do to go get that guy. And you know what, Eddie? When we come back and we do the draft podcast that first Monday yeah. after the draft and the Colts have traded up to take a QB, please hold it against me if I sit here and say, man, that was too much to give up. <laughs> please hold that against me because – there is a level of if you believe in that guy, you got to get the bat off your shoulder. Yeah, you can't have the backwards K. You got to swing at it. Um, so we'll see how all of that unfolds. But yeah, that that is a really I I don't see Ballard just picking a guy to pick it. Mm-hmm. But again, if Urse mandates it, there you go.
1: When you look at and I said this on Sacks' podcast about the quarterback position, The, the Colts are in a position to where they could stay pat for one more year and then you make the move to try and go get Drake May next year or Caleb Williams because if you have Matt Ryan underneath contract for another year, that gives you the opportunity to get a guy that may not have produced in college because of whether that was being able to read the defense um, and he sits behind a veteran like Matt Ryan and he learns how to read defenses operate as a quarterback in the NFL instead of drafting a guy who you feel like or is pro-ready already like I think Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud are.
0: Would you cut off half your pinky for Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams.
1: Oh, I would cut off more than half my. Wow,
0: pinkies. Eddie Garrison! Look at that. Nothing says Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy th- that boy. Nothing says cranberry sauce going to taste good today. Like imagine Eddie Garrison's half of his, well, more than half of his pinky. It sounds like in the middle of the cranberry sauce.
1: I have been a huge fan of Caleb Williams since last year. So should I be worried Saturday night? No. Oh well, yes, yes, but uh, you should probably expect. Well, here's the thing. I, I really like Caleb Williams, but I'm interested to see how he does against that defense because they were able to hold C.J. Stroud in check. That's the one thing I will say.
0: Okay. I, I think Williams is even more dynamic, though. Yeah. I mean, Stroud is a – and Dan Bruegler said that with, uh, with us, when when it's good around Stroud, he's really, really good. With Williams, there are times where it doesn't have to be good around him and he can go find good. Again, he's the creator and not draft eligible. And to your point, him and Drake May, who's the younger brother of Luke May, right? Yes. I always liked watching Luke May play basketball at North Carolina. Ironically, Notre Dame did a really nice job against him earlier this year. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a good point.
1: Um, it is. It is. Michael is next from benching the veteran quarterback to firing Frank Reich midseason, then hiring someone who has never coached before. I think Jim Mercer looks at the quarterback talent in the draft and knows this is the year to go get, quote, the guy and stop doing the Band-Aid quarterback every year. He's doing everything he can to get in better position to get a quarterback, but will never admit to tanking. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, Michael, um, understand where you're coming from. I agree with some of that early part of the question, but I don't agree with he's doing everything he can to get in a better position to to draft the QB. Jim Irsay, let me make this abundantly clear, Jim Irsay thought Sam Ellinger was an upgrade over Matt Ryan in early October. He never thought they were tanking. Never thought it. Um, He wanted Ellinger in there first week of October. So... Um, I don't think, and again, there are roster moves you can point to, Eddie, you know, all over. If you're tanking, then why is Rodney McLeod playing over Nick Cross? True. If you're tanking, why is Matt Ryan playing over Sam Ellinger? I mean, you can find guy, you know, where veteran guys are playing. Like, I mean, if you really want to tank, dial back Stefan Gilmore's playing time and put some younger corners in there. You know, obviously mm-hmm. you, you can't do that, do that everywhere, but, um... I understand how it can look from the outside, and again, he wants Jeff Saturday to work. And he doesn't want to go through an offseason where Jeff Saturday goes 1-7 or 2-6, and six, and then he gives him a full-time job, and for seven, eight months, it's like, can Jeff Saturday coach? So, I I understand it, but no. Um,
1: Just have to pay attention. If you're a Colts fan, just got to pay attention to how the Saints are doing with that. Because that pick goes to Philly, and then how the Bears are doing because they'll right have a top up, pick and they've got Justin Fields. Because you know the uh, Houston Texans will not trade with the Indianapolis Colts, especially two quarterback. Picks, right?
0: The Texans got two up there, right? Yeah. Who's the other one from? Um, I can't remember. Some other team that obviously isn't playing good football this year. It's. I think we have a kind of a more of a draft order question that I'll wait on, but um, yeah, there is. It's kind of crazy to think 14th overall pick right now for the Colts.
1: Cleveland. Cleveland. Part of that Watson trade. Got it. Makes sense. That's what yep. I thought. I no, uh, no. Wyatt is next. He says, great job with your coverage of the Colts all season, and especially the last few weeks. Wyatt, thank you, my man. Thank you, sir. Uh, first person I go to for any Colts news, I have a few things for Wednesday's pod. One, would love a small preview of who you think will win the IHSAA state finals this weekend for each class.
0: Whoa. Didn't expect us going here. Um, He went literally, he wants class by class picks.
1: I suppose so. All uh, right. Well, you know, there must be an offshore book somewhere.
0: Yeah. I was going to say you got, I'm going, all right, I'm going Lutheran around uh, class. A that's a rematch. Them at Adam central Lutheran's quarterback and throw it around the yard. So we'll go there. Got to go with my Notre Dame guy, uh, Drake Bowen, uh, No relation. I'm sure many will be that. Adrian 59ers. Going to the 59ers to win in 2A. 3A, do I go with my wife's alma mater and the Trojans of Chattard and my mother's alma mater? Or do I go with Lawrenceburg out of the Cincinnati region, right there on the Ohio Mm -hmm. Ohio River? Probably got to go with the Trojans, right? I think you have to. Uh, 4A is what? New Prairie and East Central? I'm going to go with East Central. Central. I always like passing their high school stadium on the way to Cincinnati. 5A. I've got a soft spot for Whiteland, man. First time ever making it. Um, when we won the state finals in golf, we exited, exit 95 to the Legends golf course. That is the Whiteland exit. So, yeah, this is very sentimental here with this pick, but they've had a nice season.
1: All because of the golf course. I know, I
0: know. <laughs> and Valpo, who they're playing, had a hell of a finish to their semi state game on a fourth down scramble to make it. 6A. Again, this is purely emotional. Uh, Fort Wayne Carroll, the story is incredible for those that are unfamiliar and probably a lot of you are, considering we have listeners from New Zealand and Israel. um, Fort Wayne Carroll, Fort Wayne's the second biggest city in the the state of Indiana. They don't often have representatives in the biggest class here in Indiana in the state finals. Their quarterback tragically died of leukemia this summer, happened very quickly. I mean, we're talking, I want to say, within a week of diagnosis um, to, again, just an incredibly tragic passing. Um, his name was Owen, and they have kind of rallied around this 13-0, and o, and they'll be wearing orange in the building, which is the, I think we know that color from Chuck Pagano, Reggie Wayne's orange gloves, leukemia awareness color. Their school colors are blue and white. They'll be rocking orange in the stands on Friday night. I think it's even classes Friday, odd class is Saturday. So I'm going with Fort Wayne Carroll there. They're probably the underdog to Center Grove who knocked out my Irish in convincing fashion last week, but uh, I will go with Fort Wayne Carroll.
1: That would be amazing.
0: Yeah, that's a um, that's Hollywood, man. It is. It's tragic, but just a wild, wild story. So it's one of my favorite weekends of the year, the state finals. I think it's really cool that the Colts, or the Colts and the city and I guess whoever else is involved in these decisions, these kids can play inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. I know that's not par for the course everywhere around the united states for the state mm-hmm. championship um so yeah hope everybody has safe travels that are going to the state finals uh
1: Wyatt, second part of his question says that he is done with mo alley cox out snapping kylan granson and jelani woods whenever jelani is healthy he provides nothing for the colts offense in passing or blocking and i want the other guys to get more chances i think kelly is going to finish this I think Ryan Kelly is going to be finished with the Colts after the season uh, with the Brian Baldinger video post that was so hard to watch. I think uh, the Colts trade Kelly, and I agree with you. Sign a veteran that will compete for starting time in the interior. Draft another tackle to compete with Bernard Ryman and hope they develop. keep up the great work. And I know these people cannot see what you're doing right now, but uh, he just put on – Kevin did – a turkey – hat. Correct.
0: We- yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And uh don't explain what I'm about to do, but I need to take this selfie and send it to a friend of mine um, with this turkey hat on. So um I'm going to send this. Whoa, Kev. Yeah. yeah a lo- th- th- there's a little bit of anger there behind it. But nonetheless, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Did you like the turkey
1: hat? I thought the birds already left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, tight end-wise, <laughs> see if we can get back on track. Ryan Kelly, there was a lot there. Um,
1: he says he's done with Mo Ali cox and he wants to see Jelani Woods and uh, Kylan Granson get more involved.
0: Woods practiced today. It's a good sign there. I, go. I do think you need consistency at the tight end. We've talked about that a lot. You know, Someone messaged me before the show, Eddie, curious about have you seen enough out of Bernard Ryman to, I guess one way or the other, make a decision about him at left tackle. Uh, and, and I say this, good or bad. I have not. Like six games to go in the season. What would be on my storyline list for the final six games? Very close to the top of it would be highly concentrated focus on Bernard Ryman in these final six games. Yeah. You know, this guy was a two-year starter at tackle at Central Michigan, played at a MAC level. Um, this is a jump. So I think it's very very important that that evaluation becomes a huge part of what these final six games look like for you there. So, they worked out three tight ends earlier in the week to the tight end point. I asked Jeff Saturday about that today, and I think that's more due to how the position is played. I was crunching some numbers earlier. You've averaged, I think, four catches a game from your tight end group this year. Last year you actually averaged less than that. Early on in the Reich era, you were five or six catches per game. So, it is a little bit down from that group, but Granted, you had Eric Ebron. Sure, sure, exactly. Uh, obviously, Doyle was catching balls at a pretty high rate early on there. Uh, the Mo Alley-Cox numbers, man, oof. like 14 catches all year, and i pretty sure he's played every
1: game. I mean, even to go back to the off season, that contract was just, what?
0: Yeah, yeah, was it, yeah, 3 for 12, 3 for 14?
1: It was something like that. Um, Jacob is next. than that. I don't know. I I can't remember. I thought it was another one-year or two-year deal. I thought it was two for 12, maybe.
0: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: Uh, Jacob is next. Uh, He said here, JMV, say that the Colts were more than an offseason away from fixing their issues. I honestly think a lot of their issues could be resolved to where this team is a legit up-and-coming contender again if the right— moves are made like you said on the last pod Chris Ballard refuses to make the moves needed year-round I truly believe if the Colts went out and paid big for a solid proven left tackle make a sacrificial trade to move up and get a quarterback and maybe make some good drafts or smaller free agent signings for more depth on the offensive line this team could be a whole heck of a lot better next year. But like I said, Ballard has to make these moves. His issue is he doesn't.
0: Jacob thoughts. is always, thank you for that. You know, the first one's obvious. you got to get a QB. And the QB has got to give you something on the rookie deal. And that's, I mean, that's that's a lofty goal. But that's what you would have to get to speed up that, that, that rebuild. I, I do think you lay it out there. Now, of course, Eddie, you talked about it on last week's pod. I mean, it's not like the left tackle free agency class is ever very deep and it's not very deep this year. Not so. sure
1: if you heard Orlando Brown's uh, player bio when they do it on the Sunday Night Football but he said Orlando Brown easy money university and I think uh, I think he knows he's about to get a very very big bag of money this free agency period. Yes. Yeah. Th- that would be
0: accurate there. Um, you know the question de- defensively just is you know when does it go for Stefan Gilmore? I mean he's 32. I have been Thoroughly impressed by how he's looked yeah. at the age of 32, but when it goes, it can go. You know, for that position group, um, you know, obviously edge rusher. I mean, is Ngakwe brought back? I mean, can Quiddy stay healthy? You know, I think Buckner and Grover have got several good, good more years in them. Um, but I think those are kind of some of the how quick you can turn it around. But and again, this is a huge if. To Jacob's point, though, if you get quarterback right. And you find success quickly? Oh, yeah. You, you you can quickly, quickly do it, but that's probably a bit wishful thinking. Rick is next. How is
1: it that our Colts offense practices against one of the top five defenses in the league, but they can't score points against a weaker defense? What happened to iron sharpens iron? I live in Tampa, so I can't go to practices, but it... Uh, but is our offense not scoring against our defense either? And if that's the case, wouldn't that be a red flag that the Colts need better players? Try not to tell me if it uh, it's all Matt Ryan's fault with your answer, please, <laughs> LOL.
0: <laughs> you know, Jeff Saturdays wanted a little bit more one-on-ones and practice during the regular season. So I do think that's something to kind of note, a little bit more good on good. Um, you know, when, when I watch training camp, and, Eddie, you were even out there. I mean, the defense won more than the offense. Easily. Yeah. And, you know, part of it, okay, it's a new quarterback. Then I'm thinking, well, it's also a new defense, and there's no Shaquille Leonard, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, so I'm not overly surprised by what I've seen. Now, for one minute, I didn't expect this team to be 32nd or 31st ranked in scoring offense yep. 11 games into the season. Um, but I also look at – I mean, if you just looked at the the position groups, Eddie – Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, O-line. That's five position groups on the offensive side of the ball. Which position group are you above average in in the NFL? Of those five. Repeat them again. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line. Just running back. You know? I mean, just if we boil it down to... The simplicity of it, just running back, and when you think about it like that, the answer is pretty self-explanatory. Of just you, and again, I think it's a little bit more personnel-driven than coaching, or you know, I get it, Frank Wright. There are reasons I think to move on from him, but to me, um, so much of this falls on the offensive personnel failing you in many of those offense areas.
1: Let's go back to a Twitter question we had say two weeks ago it was about frank reich and chris ballard and you know the construction of the offense in terms of personnel and i forget the guy's name that sent it or lady uh that sent in the question but they said do you think frank reich was the problem he's like you can give me whatever and i'll work with it and and didn't really demand for much
0: yeah and that's something you know and this is kind of a weird thing to like fault frank reich for um, and to be fair, it's not like I'm behind closed-door meetings over there on West 56th Street. But I did think there were times where maybe Frank was too content with mm-hmm. the personnel that he was being given. I know it's an awkward dynamic between a head coach and a GM to want more, demand more, however you want to call it. But I do think, and again, this is how Frank's wired. I, I think a lot of people have heard this before about you know his background as a player. His background, I think how he lives life of like, you take what's given to you and you react to that. Um, and it's a very admirable trade in many walks of life, but um, and maybe maybe I'm expecting too much from the head coach in that situation. <laughs> maybe that should be the GM's job to, you know, oversee that and realize when you've screwed yeah. up or when your head coach needs more, your coach's got enough to deal with. Um, you've got to make sure the kitchen's stocked. It shouldn't be the head coach looking through the cabinets and saying, Wait, where's that? Where's that? you know, <laughs> like the ingredients should already be there for him. Um, so, yeah.
1: Uh, Joel is next. Uh, do you feel like Matt Ryan gives the Colts the best chance of winning games? I am not a stand on the desk for Sam Ellinger guy, but I think his ability to extend plays with his legs would have helped avoid some critical sacks in Sunday's game and could have opened up the play calling a bit as well. I know Parks Frazier wants to keep it simple, but the first down run it up the gut every time was way too stale and predictable. Ryan, in the play calling, does not give any threat of the deep ball, allowing the Eagles defense to load the box, to stuff the run, and clog short and intermediate routes. Would love to know your thoughts on all
0: this. Yeah, Joel, really good question. Um you know, if you can promise protection, which, honestly, now that I say that out loud, it sounds like I'm reading like a condom ad. Um, <laughs> but if you can promise pass protection and uh fyi that is being clipped and sent off to your producer (laughs) good thing we don't have a show till monday um then matt ryan is the better one but in reality which is how we need to live probably on november 23rd if the o-line's going to be like this sam ellinger's creativity would lend to something there you know it's think back on those two sam ellinger starts eddie I mean, I felt like he overachieved in start one, or did a little bit better than I thought he'd do, and then in start two, it went about as exactly how I thought it would go. And I'm thinking, like, I don't know, does he deserve another chance? Like, are we done evaluating Sam Ellinger? Unless Matt Ryan gets hurt? I don't know. And and, and should we be done evaluating him? Like, is that... You know, my thought when they went to Ellinger was, and again, I always have one eye looking towards the future, but I thought to myself, man, what a unbelievable opportunity, not only for him, but for the Colts organization. Like yeah. You drafted a guy, he's in year two, and he's about to get two and a half months of playing time. You can get an answer on him, and then you can decide what you want to do with him
1: moving forward. Um, now, let's say the Colts lose... Monday night to the Steelers. Yeah. Turn around and lose to the Cowboys on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Then do you wave the white flag? Yeah.
0: That's that's a good that's a really good one. Um that is I, I'm I'm I am i am i am curious about that one. Yeah, I am I am curious about that. So Jeff Saturday and Jim Mercer would have to sit down and make that decision. Part of me thinks this, Eddie. I love maybe,
1: how you only threw those two names out there and not The guy in between them.
0: (laughs) They were a 98%, 99% chance of making the playoffs in, what, week 17 and 18 last year? So reverse that. Until they're 0%, won't they stick with what they think is the best here in the the short term?
1: The thing that I can make the biggest case for in in that comparison is like, last year you had a... Say what you want about Carson Wentz, but you kind of knew what you were getting every week with Carson, um, and you had Jonathan Taylor, and the line was healthy and performing well. You
0: don't have any of that consistency right Not now. Fair, very fair. Um, and again, to Joel's question, you know what offensive line are you given? If you're given an offensive line that can hold up, and Matt Ryan gets hit one time like he did against the Raiders, it's probably Ryan. And again, do you believe in him as a guy that can kind of set protection and get the ball out quick and those sorts of things? But if you get to Monday, or you get to a week from Sunday... I mean, because think about it. Dallas is about ready to have 10 days off before they play you. Oh, Dallas yeah. could have Odell Beckham on the field yeah. a week from Sunday. And you see these two defensive fronts you're about to see... I mean, you'll, you'll probably find out in my prediction, there's so much that I just don't trust Pittsburgh in at all offensively. But I am assuming that they will score on defense. Or they will set their offense up with a golden opportunity. Like, Cameron Hayward and and T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and Oaken Bogie or I ever say his name. I mean, they're just they just got four. I mean, Saturday said it today. They got four dudes. It is a very very good front, and I know the stats will not indicate a lot to you. T.J. Watt's played in what two games, two and a half games. Yep. So T.J. Watt looked pretty healthy on that interception last week. Got Alex
1: Highsmith, Miles, Jack, yeah, Devin Bush, a huge year.
0: And again, I know Jack's a little bit past his prime and all that, but Mika Fitzpatrick making a play in the secondary, I, they just. Larry Oak and Joby, is that who you're thinking of? Yeah, and maybe I haven't, you know, maybe I should pay more attention. But I feel like the Steelers are, and I know they struggled on defense last week, but this Colts offensive line just gives me no reason to put a lot of faith in them.
1: The weakest part, though, of that defense for Pittsburgh, the corners. Yeah. Hopefully somebody wins on the outside.
0: Can you expose that, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, Flippin' is up next with a Twitter question or more of a statement. Rank the following contracts on the Colts you want to get out of. Rank them from the contract you would like to get out the most to the contract you would least. Uh, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, DeForest Buckner, Matt Ryan, and Shaquille Leonard. It's a good one. Really good one. I'll go one, Kelly. Two, Leonard. Three, Ryan. Four, Nelson. Five, Buckner.
0: Yeah, I agree on Nelson and Buckner at the end. i go Leonard one, just all due to the injury. I mean, does he ever play again? Does he ever play again at the level that you expect? Um, You know, for all those reasons... I would put him atop that list just because there's such an unknown of where he's at physically. Um, I'd probably put Ryan 2 just because it's such – did you have Ryan or Kelly 2? I had
1: Kelly 1.
0: You had Kelly 1. Excuse me. Um, I'd probably put Ryan 2 because it's such an initial cap hit in a really critical off season upcoming. But to me, 1, 2, and 3 are clearly above 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. And really, five is probably a big drop from four, Buckner being a big drop from Nelson in that case. Uh, I got to go with Leonard one. It, it's it's length of the contract and the injury. It, it's not so much him him as a player. No, I think him as a player it really helps you out. It has everything to do with the length. I mean, it's through 2026, right? Yep. And then a back injury. And, I mean, his quotes earlier this week about you know, hopeful to be ready for OTAs and all that, like, I mean, th- there's just an unknown to it all of where he's at right now. Would you hit the
1: over or under on the Colts to win two or more games for the rest of the season? If it's the under, do you think Jeff Saturday will stay at the franchise in a coaching
0: role from James? Boy. I assume Vegas right now would probably have the over-under of two-and-a-half wins for the rest of the season for the Colts. Yeah. Your favorite, Pittsburgh and Houston. You're probably an underdog in the rest. Giants and Chargers could be close to a pick'em. I could see three wins. I I, I could, but the Steelers game I think is one you have to have to have if you're gonna get three. I'm still not sold on the Giants, man. I don't I'm not either. But
1: it's a rogue game.
0: Yeah, and I guess they could be playing for a lot, you know, two games to go in the season. Um yeah, I'd set it right at two and a half. You can talk me into three. You could talk me into two, one and a half. Pittsburgh. I I think they get two. Because again, it's I mean the Vikings just got smoked. You know, I I think Dallas is the best out of all these teams you're going to play the rest of the year. Oh yeah, that's easy. And who knows where you'll be at health wise the the opponent? Who knows where the Chargers will be at health wise when you face them? Valid point. Um, Simpson
1: says, from this point on, the season is almost certainly lost. Even if we have a miracle turnaround and make a wild card, which would probably hurt more than help, honestly, uh, we're looking forward. Currently, we hold the 14th pick and most likely hold a pick from the 10 to 15 range. How does the uh, the Hinden Hooker injury affect the scouting? Hate asking these questions prior to Christmas, but who are the scouts looking at? In anticipation of next year, happy holidays to you and the family.
0: Simpson, same to you and everybody out there. Scouts are looking at them all. They are looking at them all. I
1: know Um, they've been to Richardson a handful of times, and they've been to Will Levis the most.
0: Yeah, they've been everywhere. And again, I think that's an element of just—it's a dangerous game, I think, to look at like where have they been, because at some point you decide on a guy and you stop wanting to show up for that guy. Because you don't want to show your cards with that, so I, I know it's a game way behind the scenes, but that is part of it. Is Hendon Hooker the third quarterback, or is that Will Levis? I think well, Will Levis is the third. I don't think Hooker will drop that much with the ACL. You know, it's not like he's some four three forty yard dash guy that you're like super worried about it. Let's see. Tore
1: it last week. So you're looking at what, seven, eighth month recovery? Uh, Go with an eight, about average.
0: You put a red jersey on him in training camp. He can probably do everything. That's in
1: July. July, August is
0: about when he'd be close to 100%. Maybe it's a little early, but I don't think it's overly early. I'm not that worried about Hooker's age. I really like him. I'm more concerned about the system. Yeah, I know a lot of people have concerns about, um, you know, Josh Heupel coming from UCF and. And uh, Alex, whatever his name is, as their OC, of it is very different from anything you're going to see at the NFL level. Um, so yeah, I mean, 14th pick. You got to think a third QB goes in the top ten. You think to?
1: I think that third QB would be Levis. I don't think. I don't think. Um, I don't think Hooker's even a first round pick. Really? I could see him being a two or three.
0: Yeah. I mean, certainly his age will get knocked by a few. I don't think it's. He's 25. If that dude can play till 35 and play good football for you, you know, you would happily take a decade long run at QB.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, How many the, we got left? Two. Two. Okay, let's do them. Um, would you rather A, go three and five, but find out Jeff Saturday has the stuff to be a Hall of Fame head coach and wins over the fan base and locker room? B, Go 6-2 and, and find out Sam Ellinger is the next Jalen Hurts. C, have Bernard Ryman start looking like Anthony Costanzo. D, go 0-8 oh to get a top-six pick, and the Colts get a shot at a top quarterback prospect and hope you get some decent sleep. Thanks for all the hard work. The fan base appreciate appreciates it. As a 32-year-old diehard Colts fan, I am willing to take the short-term pain if the long-term Success is there. He'll take option D, and that is from Joe.
0: Joe, I love it.
1: And I'm sorry, it took us so long to get to this. Yeah. Man so right now, time. the Colts
0: are, of course, one and one under Joe's predicament there. So I guess that rules out 0 and 8, and now what? Six and two's got a lot of a lot of pressure on it the rest of the way. And of course, Matt Ryan is back under center. Uh, I mean, quarterback supersedes everything. You know that for me. Um, so when I look at that, and I think. You know, could the Colts get a top six pick? And obviously, you'd want a little bit higher than that, to be frank. You know, Ellinger is the next Jalen Hurts, would probably be next on the list. And boy, I I know I said it last week, but yeah, the Ballard Wright discrepancy on Jalen Hurts it's a bit jarring to think about how that could have played out for the franchise. Boy, but it's top six high enough. And, I, you know, I could be dead wrong. There's probably people, Eddie, that would sit there and if Jeff Saturday has the stuff to be a Hall of Fame head coach, I mean, if you're a Hall of Fame head coach, that obviously means your team is having some sort of success at a really high level. He's already been compared to Don Shula. Uh, yeah, yes. That was from uh, Jim And Chris Bowd was compared to Michael Jordan, if I'm not mistaken, dating back to that Monday press conference a few weeks back there. So, yeah, that's a good one, Joe. I'll go with six, or I'll go with D. I'd like to be higher than a top six pick, though. But... Yeah, I'll go there.
1: I agree. Last one is from Mamba. Um, One, he, he gave us a little list here just like Joe did. At first, I thought the Colts' week one tie would help the Colts in a playoff push, but now it's starting to feel like it's going to hurt them when it comes to the draft pick selection. What are your thoughts on that? And number two is JT Scouting Report concerns with ball security revealing itself.
0: Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. There was some scouting questions about his ball security at Wisconsin. Um, Again, if you look at the fumbles last year, I think he was four last year, and he's already a three this year. So I think it's something certainly to keep an eye on. So 14th right now in the draft. It's crazy how you have all these three and seven teams.
1: It's bonkers, man.
0: And again, the Colts have played an extra game than a lot of the NFL, so that's something to keep in mind with the bye week upcoming. You know, when I look at teams, Eddie, that will take quarterbacks or what, I'm seeing five of the first six that would have interest in a quarterback.
1: Houston, Carolina. Vegas, maybe. Vegas is a maybe. Uh, Who else you got there? What about Seattle? What about Detroit? I would say Detroit, yeah.
0: Seattle. I. I mean, how old is Geno Smith?
1: Geno Smith. Yeah. He is thirty-two.
0: Yeah, I just. You know, when you're up there, when you're up there, you've got to take a long, hard look at it because how many times are you necessarily going to, going to be up there? Right. Um. Yeah, that's I. So, again, there's five teams. Obviously, it's not going to play out as all five take a quarterback. But what I'm getting at, Eddie, to your point is Chicago could – if it ended today, Chicago could sit there – where are they? Did Chicago have the third pick? Is that what it is right now? Uh, Yes. I mean, Chicago sit there and be like, all right, <laughs> keep calling and keep raising the price. You throw a dart
1: maybe here. I know they they don't have their first pick, but the Rams, if they somehow could trade back up into that range. Good point. With Stafford being hurt, that's a good point. starting to decline. I mean, and yep. the reports are already coming out that uh McVeigh will retire whenever Cup, Donald, and Stafford retire. So it's gotta be sooner than later, right?
0: Yeah, that's that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, uh In conclusion little- here, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Dude, I am I don't know if I've gotten older, I've become a father, I don't know what it is, but I am now team stuffing. Really? Yeah. I am not a stuffing guy. Really? no okay so what and your answer would would be what
1: I like uh, I like sweet potatoes
0: oh man I'm just not a big sweet potato -er.
1: I don't it's weird I don't like mashed potatoes but I like sweet potatoes don't know why
0: I could not disagree more with you (laughs) (laughs) that saddens me
1: mashed potatoes is like the one major food I will never eat ever
0: What, what Eddie Garrison never that's appalling ever we might lose some followers and listeners to this podcast after that.
1: I may get some pushback on, on Twitter, but, like, never.
0: Colts favored by two and a half, Eddie. Who are you going with?
1: I will go Steelers 17-10. to 10.
0: Mm, Gosh. Take,
1: a, take that under, baby.
0: Take that under. Got Steelers 17-13. Thought about going 17-16 for a third straight home game. Uh, I think T.J. Watt has a big strip sack. Alex Highsmith has a big strip sack. Somebody makes a play on that Pittsburgh defensive front. Minka. uh, Somebody makes a play there. If you don't win the early downs, I'm really worried. Pittsburgh's offense doesn't really scare me. Um, The Colts, both teams' defensive lines should control their respective line of scrimmages. But um, I know Kenny Pickett's had a few more moments lately. I just think, yeah, I think Pittsburgh... Wins a low score of one. Throwbacks, right? 1956? Yeah. Just the double horseshoe, is that the only difference? Yeah, I think the stripes, maybe they added a stripe and they're a little bit higher on the shoulder pad and the number, I don't know. not much of a difference. I would like to see some alternate uniforms actually look cool for the Colts.
1: Yeah, me too. I like the I like the blue, all blue that they did, I, like I think, that last Thanksgiving year.
0: Thanksgiving ones, they had a few.
1: The color rush, yeah, the, the uh, all blue. Yeah,
0: the Thanksgiving ones they had with Peyton, I really like those. Color rush, yeah. It's better than I think. It's better than what they'll wear on Sunday or on Monday, in my opinion. But you know. uh, with the Colts playing Monday, no, no pod Monday, no pod Monday. So we'll come back Tuesday. Um, and again, with the Monday night games it's such a short week, we'll probably just stick with one next week. So, um, Eddie Garrison, you have a great Thanksgiving. You too, sir. I hope one of your family members takes some mashed potatoes and just dumps them on your head. <laughs> <laughs> I know Not I said it off The uh, podcast, but everybody, safe travels. Enjoy this time. Um, I know if. My older age or again becoming a father, but I feel like this holiday has gained importance for me. I feel like when I was younger, I was just like, Oh my god, we gotta eat turkey. Thank the Lord football's on. Yeah. You're not really truly caring about the meaning of the holiday, but um good and bad events that can happen close to you in your life. I think you cherish a little bit more of that. So everybody have a great Thanksgiving and uh find some time to uh remember that, enjoy the next few days. It's a great, great sports calendar as well. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, everybody.